0: Welcome back to the Facts About PACs. I'm Michaela Isler, NAPAC's Executive Director, and I'm joined as always by my fabulous co-host, Adam Belmar. Thank
1: you, Michaela. We have a very special episode of the podcast today.
0: Yeah, we really do. March is Women's History Month, and we are taking the opportunity today to focus on women in the government relations space. It's a phenomenal field and one that holds great promise for everyone.
1: Of course, that wasn't always the case, Michaela. Government relations, like so many sectors, once dominated by men. But that has changed. And today, we're going to explore how women in our profession are leading, how they get there, and what they're doing to elevate the next generation.
0: Coming up, our in-depth discussion with Jamie Jones-Miller, inaugural dean and CEO of the Northeastern University Arlington campus.
1: But first... Michaela, it's time to run down some NAP activities. Coming up next week on Wednesday, March 16th at 2 p.m., be sure to register for the multi-layer fundraising webinar featuring Gracie Gerlock from the Council of Insurance Agents and Brokers, Dorian Wanzer from International Paper, and Richard McDonald with General Motors. The incomparable Amy Adams will moderate, and this is one you don't want to miss, Michaela.
0: No, you don't, Adam. And, and really, this is such a great panel of presenters all doing great work in their PAC fundraising. Even after these two really challenging years, Adam, you know, members, I don't think you're going to want to miss this opportunity as we discuss a dynamic array of tactics to boost your PAC fundraising.
1: Well, I will be there with bells on. The Facts About PACs podcast is produced especially for the members of the National Association of Business Political Action Committees. In every episode, we recap this week's NAP activities, share actionable intelligence and best practices, all while connecting the PAC community.
0: Thanks, Adam. And joining us now is someone I have so much respect for. She is a leader with tremendous energy, she's incredibly bright and driven, and she also happens to have a giant heart. Jamie Jones-Miller, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you so much, Michaela. This sounds like a joke, but not really. I am a long time listener, but a first time caller. I have listened to the NAPAC podcast multiple times. So it's really fun to be here with you and Adam. Well,
0: I love that, Jamie. So let's jump right in. I really want all of our listeners to have a chance to get to know you and your professional story. Jamie earned her degree in international affairs from James Madison University while playing varsity basketball and also spent 13 years on Capitol Hill, where she held the positions of chief of staff to Representative Robert Whitman and Legislative Director for Representative Randy Forbes, two senior members of the House Armed Services Committee. Then Jamie served as Principal Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Legislative Affairs from 2017 to 2020. And you were awarded the Department of Defense Medal for Distinguished Public Service. Incredible. Additionally, you received the Certificate in National Security Studies from the National Defense University and are a graduate of the fall 2018 Pinnacle Course at NDU. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, Jamie, you are now the inaugural dean and CEO of Northeastern University's Arlington Campus. I really can't think of anyone more accomplished to have on our show today as we celebrate Women's History Month. So tell us a little bit about this new position that you've taken on at Northeastern.
2: Thank you. It's an opportunity that I never would have dreamed of. And when it was presented to me, I thought, "Hmm, I don't know, like so many of us do when we're thinking about making a career transition. But in this case, uh, Northeastern University out of Boston is planting a flag in the national capital region and bringing our focus on experiential learning and growing federal research, particularly in the DOD space, to Arlington. And combining my passion for growing future leaders and my career in national security, it started to make sense. And so I'm really excited to really be Northeastern's ambassador to the national capital region. From a military standpoint, it's kind of like being a base commander where I have a whole bunch of tenant commands reporting to me. So working with student services and faculty, students themselves, careers, partnerships, and then being an administrator, um, running a business. So that really appealed to me and, and brings in a lot of the elements that I've had throughout
1: my career. Jamie, as we were preparing for today's show, I was thinking about my own personal work history. I came up as a journalist, and every boss I had from the beginning of my career until... I left television. I worked for a woman. And that was commonplace in journalism, even in the 90s and the early 2000s. But it most certainly has not been the case in government relations and lobbying, and even in the halls of Congress as we continue to make progress. With that background that we just detailed and your leadership now, how often were you, even at the higher levels, the only woman in the room? And what impact did any of that have on all the energy you've put into helping people move up the ladder?
2: Two specific scenarios come into mind. I think back to my mid-20s when I first started working on the Hill and handling a national security portfolio. You know, I would walk into a room of, of all of the military legislative assistants for members of the Armed Services Committee, and generally it was me and one other woman in a group of 60 that has definitely changed, you know, as I interact with members of Congress and their, their offices and their staff that have that national security portfolio, it is evolving. And I'm I'm excited about that, as it should. That women are taking on these portfolios in national security and financial services and tech. A lot of the, the STEM issue areas are seeing more women there. And then the other anecdote, you know, being at the at the Pentagon and and being in senior roles and, and walking into meetings with the the secretary and the deputy and and looking around. And being the only woman in the room was, was not uncommon. But what I would say is that the cadre is growing. And the reason that it is growing is the deliberate and intentional investment of women and men in women and seeking out and promoting and retaining and developing talent. And I think that's the, the key in any industry, any environment is attracting and retaining talent. And especially right now, as we're going through this transition uh, in this country and and the loss of, of jobs that women have seen during the pandemic, you know, we've called it a she session. How do we bring women back online into roles that are attractive to them? And I think in the government affairs space, which is largely relationship focused women have a lot of potential. So in my spare time, I like to be involved in organizations that are helping to lift up women and and help provide that playbook and that path for them.
0: Jamie, you know, when you were starting out, how important were professional organizations for you and how important do you think they are for young professional women today?
2: I am very grateful that I stumbled upon a couple of very solid organizations early on in my career. One, and I'll give them a shout out here, is Women in Government Relations. That is the first kind of association that I joined in 2001 uh, when I entered the lobbying and government affairs field. I am a member today. Um, so throughout that, you know, that course of the of the last 20 years, we've really seen the expansion and the footprint of, of WGR and supporting women in the field. I don't see a lot of support specifically for women in national security. And that's what led me to an organization called the Leadership Council for Women in National Security. We launched uh, about two years ago, and our mission is to prepare women to serve in senior national security roles. So deputy assistant secretary level and above and Senate confirmed positions, ambassador level positions, and really to give these women the playbook for How to seek a Senate-confirmed role, how to find an appointment in the administration, and then how to prepare yourself to go through all of the hoops and the requirements to be a candidate for one of those positions. So really pulling back the curtain and saying, all right, we're going to do a mock confirmation hearing for you, Michaela, when you're going to be the Secretary of the Treasury and we're going to run the traps for you so that when you're sitting in that seat you have a little bit of practice. And so I think that's the key is is asking for that playbook and it's something that I've done, you know, throughout my my transition in this new role is you know asking everyone I've interacted with, you know, what are what are some of the the rules, what's the what's the playbook, the the secrets, the culture. Um, it's hard to get in the game in the middle of the game without having the the playbook. So I think it's incumbent upon us to do that and I think that's a very inclusive and smart and deliberate action we can take to grow any field, but particularly government affairs that's so relationship-based.
0: I love that, Jamie. And, it you know, one of the things you, I hear in that is that we we must be intentional when it comes to providing those opportunities. And that means helping people grow and develop. I know you and I both in other volunteer roles, this, we take this very seriously. It's been a very important part of our volunteer experience over the last 20 years. And, you know, it can also mean hiring from within. What advice do you have for everyone listening about how they can be successful in elevating future female leaders?
2: I think it's really important to be clear on your outcomes and your vision and your goals for any organization and then building the team, the talent to execute, implement, you know, attain those outcomes. And so for a, a manager or a supervisor or a principal, really expanding your aperture and thinking about the voices that you have around the table and the ones that are missing and filling that gap. What doors do you need to open for someone else to come through? What opportunities do you need to provide so someone can be prepared to take on a future role? That is where the intentionality comes in. Um, And it's not just putting together a strategic plan and an operating plan and a budget, right? But that personal and, and, and professional development element I think is critical. And it requires a lot of investment. And I would hope, and it's something I've found very rewarding. It's not necessarily the legislation that I got passed. You know, I worked on the legislation to establish the United States Space Force. Pretty proud of that. Worked on some legislation to support veterans and Virginia tribes when I was working for the congressman. I'm really proud of those things, but what I'm most proud of is the fact that multiple people were prepared and ready to serve as chief of staff when it was time for me to leave the Hill and go to the Pentagon.
1: So, Jamie, what is your posture as you take the reins at Northeastern University's Arlington campus when it comes to introducing students to practitioners and leaders who look like them?
2: One of my favorite quotes, and I'll get it wrong so I won't, you know, lay it out exactly right, um, is from the former head coach of the Notre Dame women's basketball team, and she said something to the effect of... Um, I'm just really tired of being asked the question about what it's like to be a women's coach. Uh, I'm really tired of being asked the question about seeing more women on the court in coaching roles and, you know, umpire and referee roles and on the field. And I'm just tired of it. More women need to be in these positions. So we get to the point where we're just not talking about it anymore. And that women need to be able to see themselves in those roles so they can vision it and they can dream it. And I I agree with her, and I think the interesting part of that is, it's not just the woman that's going to pull up another woman; it's everybody in the community. We all have a responsibility to grow and develop talent. And something I'm looking forward to at Northeastern and in breaking into a new market in the Washington D.C. area is exciting for a number of reasons. But I think Northeastern's approach, they are very focused on experiential learning, cooperative education opportunities, federal research. But our facility here in Arlington will have a classified and secure space where we can work with industry partners and government partners. And so to me, I think that capability and what we will offer is really going to be the front porch, kind of the entree to the campus um, that will be new and will be different. And so I'm excited to see how we can attract and grow the federal government workforce and industry and support their needs in upskilling talent or retaining talent or providing new opportunities for their workforce.
0: These opportunities are incredible, Jamie. Think about if we had these opportunities 20 years ago. I mean, but it's it's so Incredible that you're able to help launch this at this point in your career. There's no one better. I want you to talk a little bit about sort of how you talk to women in our profession about the importance of growing their network. I mean, you've talked about this being a relationship business. I talk about that all the time. What is your
2: take? Well, first, let me acknowledge that networking is intimidating. Networking in a virtual space, you know, probably it's its all these new dynamics of, you know, how do you network in a virtual environment? It's different than going to a reception, right, and handing out your business cards. But I think there's so many different layers to networking. And as I've thought about a career transition, I've thought about my network and who are the people that are either in in the space or adjacent to a space that I can reach out to ask for their advice about an industry or help make a connection or help me figure out how to tackle interview questions. The network for me has been almost like a safety blanket honestly in in the job search and to know that there are people that have kind of traveled down this road before who can pass on some advice to me. And I think everyone should have a network and what that looks like will be different for everybody, but I like to Think about it as, first of all, building a personal board of directors, a personal board of advisors, surrounding yourself with people who can be mentors, providing advice and counsel, you know, sponsors, people who are willing to use, you know, some of their social capital or their own connections on your behalf. You know, champions, you know, people who are out there selling, marketing, putting your name forward for events, for opportunities. You need all those different people at different points in your, in your life. So I'm a huge advocate of convening that personal board of directors as part of your network.
1: Jamie, I think it's really important that we were able to have you come on the podcast today. It's everything that we are trying to do for our broad community at NAPAC. We develop all of the great talent that is among us by sharing candidly, quietly and publicly, defending our industry and getting to know more about the best practices that happen. And it makes me feel proud, Michaela, that we can take some time to do an episode just like this.
0: I agree. Uh, Jamie Jones-Miller, Inaugural Dean and CEO of the Northeastern University Arlington campus. Thanks so much for joining us on the Facts About PAX podcast today.
2: Anytime. Thanks for having me.
0: And thanks to everyone downloading and sharing the show. Subscribe and meet us right back here on the Facts About PAX podcast.